Hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Well Woman Podcast. I am Sam, and I'm here with Dr. Laura. Today, we're talking about a topic that may be a tad controversial for some, and that is eating your placenta. As you know, I'll try just about anything that claims to be healthy for you, but this goes a little bit far for me. Um, I've heard lots of celebrities are doing this, and I'm wondering, what are the health benefits, and should we all be doing this? Please, Laura, help us. Yeah, this is a topic that's a bit interesting because it's kind of a little bit of a fad, um, in my opinion, because a lot of people are doing it. Like you said, it's really um, popular with celebrities. So we'll start with talking just a bit about the history. Um, so eating your placenta is also called placentophagy, which is, again, eating your placenta or eating placenta pills after childbirth. Um, a bit of the history is it was actually first reported in humans in the 1970s, and it's growing in popularity since. Um, reasons being is the proposed benefits include reducing risk of postpartum hemorrhage, increasing milk production, boosting energy, enhanced bonding with your kid, and immune boosting. And interestingly enough, a recent study showed that approximately 60% of OBs and gynecologists are undecided about placentophagy. So it's definitely not the doctors that are recommending it. Okay, so if doctors aren't recommending it, um, why are we eating our placentas? (laughs) Yeah, it's like, why do people even want to do this? Exactly. It sounds, it sounds really gross. Um, but so pregnancy and delivery are understandably emotional roller coasters for women. So the combination of hormone fluctuations, um, sleeplessness that happens when you have a newborn, um, the stress, a lot of women suffer from postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, many women find themselves having body image issues, wanting to fit back into old clothes, Um, again, self-confidence. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that go into all of this and having a baby and after having a baby. um, Women experience hair loss that happens for a longer amount of time than it should. And so you can imagine if someone offered a magic fix for this, a lot of women would take it, right? Yeah, because that's kind of how I perceive it as like this magical pill that people are taking and it's fixing all the problems, which is so wonderful. Yeah, exactly. um, You made me watch a disgusting video. (laughs) No no offense. um, About how they actually, you know, make these placenta pills or how people are, you know, eating it. So can you go further into that and just describe the process a little bit? Yeah. So we did watch a video. Um, It was really because I, I wanted to see, I mean, I was reading about it, but I wanted to see, first of all, if it, if it was available local in our area. So our area, meaning like GTA, greater Toronto area, I wanted to see if it was available close to me and what the price was. Cause in my reading, certain prices came up and I wanted to see if that was accurate and how they actually did it and how they described it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a few different ways that they describe it. So eating the placenta itself, once it's been steamed. So, I mean, <laughs> presumably okay but let's just be honest this video shows a lady steaming it in her kitchen oh yeah no we'll we'll get into that but this is what the this is what the readings say so first of all the first way they say is to steam it in order to reduce the risk of infectious disease so it's almost like if you were eating like a liver 
Um, the placenta is a slippery blood rich material, which is like what you saw in the video. So we can compare it to a liver, like literally steaming a liver and eating it. I don't know the flavor and this uh, research didn't comment on the flavor. Uh, um, number two is converting it into capsules. So it's a huge industry converting your placenta into capsules. Um, this process involves steaming, dehydrating, grinding, which is what we saw. And then the final option is to go to Amazon and you can actually purchase a placenta product pill. Oftentimes these are from like animal placenta. So these aren't human placentas. These are like cows, lamb, deer, et cetera. And so when we looked at, so the logistics of it is if we were to prepare our own placentas, um, depending on whether or not the placenta is refrigerated or frozen, it can be sent out to these companies. And a lot of these companies, like the one we watched, will charge a fee to come pick it up. Mm -hmm. um, but like, like you saw in the video, this woman is literally doing it at her house. So do you want to, and she's doing it for someone else. So it's like someone else's placenta in her kitchen. Do you want to describe what you saw in the video? Uh, yes, please. Um, <laughs> so there's basically a lady in her home kitchen and she's in her, you know, kitchen sink with the placenta and just like manhandling it and <laughs> um, draining the blood and then steaming it in her you know, pot on her own <laughs> kitchen, you know, it's just, it's just a little bit too home, home done for me. <laughs> and then she slices it and puts it in her dehydrator. So like, and then grinds it into pills and then puts it in pills. And I'm not trying to, you know, degrade the process. I just think seeing it in someone's house, it's just like a little off putting because you're thinking like, am I eating out of that? Like, is that my spaghetti pot? Or like, right. So that was probably my biggest, you know, problem with the whole thing. But yeah, um, if there's reasons for people to do this, then great. But I just I thought that was a little off putting. But yeah, um, and I yeah. think and I think when you watch it, like I was just expecting to see this like in a lab with like lab coats and like glasses and and masks and things like that. And um, <clears throat> I guess I was expecting like I don't know lab grade things. And yeah, exactly. so then I didn't see that. And so and and the reality is this is how a lot of it's done. And so I think that comes down to a few of the problems. However, that's how it's done. And so people, companies will pick it up and they'll bring it to their, I don't know, wherever they are. A lot of times it's a small company. A lot of times it's at a home. So again, you're wondering what the circumstances are of that home. Yeah, definitely. And like how sanitary it is. Like, obviously the lady in that video is, you know, very professional, but you have to wonder if everybody's doing it at that grade, right? And like, Sure. And how professional can you be in your own kitchen sink with like a cloth on the table and like you're using your like your kitchen knife to slice it and like your dehydrator that what you make uh, dehydrated fruit in after? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Um, but what about like so how does somebody even take their placenta home with them? Like is that something you can do? I so when I was reading, uh, it basically said that you can request it in the hospital. So um, we'll go into kind of what actually happens with respect to like a placenta and how it's delivered a lot. Some people don't actually know. Mm -hmm. But with respect to the encapsulation, um, it's expensive. Preparing a placenta can cost between $200 and $400. Um, whereas an animal derived placenta pill can cost on average $10 for about 100 pills. Mm -hmm. um, and then, so I looked at the one that was local to us and it was again, pretty much on the mark, like $300 for placenta pills, 
280 for a returning client. So like if you, if you, if you're a frequenter, <laughs> you get a, you get a discount and then $50 for a placenta tincture. Okay. So, can you describe what that is exactly? So I don't know what a placenta tincture is, but a tincture in general is usually herbs and alcohol. So they'll take alcohol, they'll put herbs in alcohol and it'll basically extract whatever constituents are in the herbs that we're using for their medicinal properties. And then that'll be in what you take in a tincture. In a placenta, I don't know how that happens. Like, I don't know if they steam it, dehydrate it. And mm-hmm. I mix it with, I honestly don't know, but it's $50. I think, said, I think she said she used the powder to make the tincture after. That's okay. the video. Okay. <laughs> Just refer to the video. Um, so <laughs> another question for you, and you might not know the answer to this, but why don't people just, you know, like cook it and eat it? Is it just too off-putting or has that? Yeah, is that I, I, I feel like most people go with the capsule because it probably tastes really gross, mm. right? So like, I'm sure you could, um, but I was reading something. And again, there's not a lot of research regarding this topic. And uh, apparently back in the day, humans used to steam and eat their placenta. Um, but apparently when it, when the placenta was burned, it released toxic chemicals. And that stopped people from doing it. I don't know if that's true. I read that somewhere and I was like, oh, that's interesting. But I didn't read anything else to back it up. So that's kind of an anecdotal thing. Um, But with respect to the placenta itself. So let's talk about what the placenta actually is. And so to to find out like what's actually in it, like why would it be a benefit, right? Mm -hmm. And so as early as five days after fertilization, a placenta basically develops. um, And this is basically the interface between the the mother and the fetus for the entire pregnancy. So this is what attaches to the uterus wall and make sure that the baby's safe. Um, It's basically, it functions as all of the normal organs for the baby. It's what helps the baby breathe in utero, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so the placenta has a number of key roles. So gas exchange, again, the baby's breathing, but it's in fluid. Critical nutrients, eliminating waste material, producing hormones and proteins. It's also really... Um, critical to prevent the rejection of the fetus by the mom's immune system because when you think about it the fetus is 50% the father and 50% the mother so to the immune system of the mother it has to be able to accept 50% of that DNA not being its own right Mm -hmm. Um, so typically the placenta will contain protein fiber fat minerals so sodium potassium phosphorus calcium iron magnesium zinc copper manganese and then obviously hormones because that kind of helping the baby grow Mm -hmm. and then after the baby's delivered there's a reduction in the surface area of the uterus so this is uterine involution and this basically causes the placenta to detach and you basically give birth to the placenta so the placenta like comes out after the baby and yeah so yeah I know (laughs) it is and um so this is kind of what happens during labor and delivery right you have your baby and then the placenta comes out and, and that's about it And so basically they look at the placenta, they make sure nothing has been retained in the uterus because that can cause a problem um, like infection or, or maternal bleeding, but that's the placenta. So you can see why it would sound like a good idea to possibly consume that. Cause if you were thinking about it in that way, you're like, okay, well it has all these nutrients. So does that mean that we've lost all of these nutrients giving birth? Mm -hmm. Um, So then it sounds enticing to take something and then pair that with, with seeing a celebrity or someone do it and say that they felt so much better and you're sold, right? Definitely sold. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but is it not like a filter in a sense? So like, wouldn't you be consuming like the waste products that come from the baby as well? Well, and that's what you'd think, right? Like, and, and also, I don't know, in my opinion, I don't know if it's necessarily like, cause usually you're taking prenatal vitamins and you're having these extra nutrients and I mean, technically, like, you are depleted after birth, but again, it's it's hard to say, like, whether or not those specific nutrients are in a form that can even be reabsorbed, mm-hmm. right? Definitely. Yeah. So, based on what you just said there, can your placenta, what do you think, do you think your placenta can balance your hormones? What does the research say? Yeah. And so, like I said, theoretically, it contains hormones that could potentially help balance your hormones. But looking at the research, uh, one study analyzed human placentas, and they show that there were physiological levels of in 16 out of the 17 um, placental hormone hormones, sorry, in the ones that they examined. But there's no proof that that means that these can be absorbed or that they actually are going to have activity, like, like the form that are actually in the placenta might not actually be the same. Mm. And then they did a study where they, they basically, because remember, I remember how I said that you can actually purchase uh, animal derived placenta pills online, and they're substantially cheaper. Yeah. And so what they did is they did a study and they showed rats ingesting human placenta caps. And they found that it didn't result in any changes in the hormone levels in the rats. And so the investigators here were like, okay, well, maybe it's species. And so if that's the case, that would mean that human eating an animal one probably would be the same of like non-benefit, right? If, yeah. if the rats didn't change with humans and then the humans probably wouldn't change with another species. But again, we don't know if, if the hormones in there are actually adding to our hormones or helping balance out our hormones. Yeah, that totally makes sense to me, though, because I would think on a on a level, like on a hormone level that we're very different than these animals. Yeah. Right? So yeah, I don't see how like maybe there's other benefits to the pills, like you said, like maybe there's protein or iron or something. But I don't see how on a hormone level, our hom- hormones are similar to like a cow's. I know it's crazy. But, I mean, that's interesting. Yeah. OK, so what about other things like iron? Iron is one of those things, again, when you bleed, you lose iron. So a lot of women are worried about, a lot of women go through their pregnancy anemic or they lose a lot of blood during labor and delivery. So they're worried about kind of replenishing back their iron levels. And so there wasn't, again, there's not a lot of research, but of what there was, uh, there was a single randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial. And they looked at the effect of eating your placenta on iron status. And so it compared the iron status in 10 women who received placenta pills to 13 women who received a placebo. And the study actually showed no statistically different um, significance on maternal iron storage between the two groups. And in fact, apparently the daily intake of placenta pills only provides 24% of the recommended dose of iron for these women. I mean, it's not even if it's iron, it's not even enough. And obviously from the studies, it's actually not doing anything. So again, when we look at iron, it's about absorption and finding the proper form. And maybe this isn't in a good form for us to be reabsorbing. Yeah, for sure. So um, another kind of common thought about the placenta, eating the placenta is that it returns your uterus back to its pre-pregnancy state. Is there anything that, uh, you know, research says on this? 
Yeah, and it's hard, again, because there's no studies looking at, like I said, uterine involution, which is the uterus going back. Um, however, the placenta is rich in prostaglandins, which help with uterine involution, and that kind of is what brings the placenta, or sorry, the uterus back to um, its size. But here are the questions that I still have. Again, are the prostaglandin levels in the placenta high enough to actually do this? Are the prostaglandins absorbed in sufficient quantities to actually do this? So not only does it have the amount, but in the amount that it has, can that even be absorbed? And then again, going back to the animal pills, do cow, deer, or lamb prostaglandins even work in women? Because again, we know that when the rats ate the human placenta, they didn't see a change in their hormones. So would they see a change in their prostaglandins? It's hard to say. Yeah, definitely. So then I'm assuming that also um, placenta pills don't help stop post-birth bleeding. Yeah, and it's the same thing with oxytocin, right? Oxytocin is used to help reduce postpartum hemorrhage. Um, The placenta is shown to contain a small amount of oxytocin, but the same questions arise, right? Is there enough? Is it absorbed? And if it's derived from animals, can it impact humans? Interesting. So one common thing I see in, um, you know, a lot of studies and celebrities are saying that it does increase milk production. So this would obviously be a benefit for new, new mothers. Do you, do you know if this works or not? Yeah. And so when they looked at the first study, um, so there was two studies done on this that I know of. And the first study, they basically did a survey. And so they basically asked people who were taking their placenta pills, did it increase your milk production? And 15% of the respondents reported an increase in lactation. So, I mean, take from that what you will. And then the second study had 210 patients in it. This was a randomized controlled trial. And in this trial, a total of 86% of women actually noted an increase in milk production. But again, this study was done in 1954 and I couldn't find it online. Oh, wow. So again, I don't know. It was the study poor quality. What was the randomized control? Like, how did they do a study in 1954? Like, what was the parameters? I don't really know. Yeah, definitely. Well, if that's true, though, that would be really positive side effect to these pills, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, another thing that commonly people are suggesting is that the, the pills help with postpartum energy and like the lack of energy they have. So does this help increase our energy at all? Yeah. So again, this was the same. So this study was 189 women in 2013 who consumed their own placenta. And this was the same self-reported survey that evaluated the milk production. So basically they're just asking women, did you find your energy increase? And so 26% of the women reported an increase in energy. Again, that's not a very high result, especially for people who are self-reporting because a lot of times if we're looking at like a placebo effect, I mean, a lot more women, like the placebo effect's quite strong in itself. Mm-hmm. So you'd think that it would actually be higher, even if we were just looking at a placebo effect. So yeah, I don't think that's very high. Do you? No, not really. But I mean, um, the placebo effect's so strong, like you said, like even if women are feeling more energy just because they're taking it, right? Like it's hard to say. So based on what you've just told us, what are, what are your thoughts? Are these placenta pills safe for us? And like, what are some of the side effects? Yeah. And, and so, like I was saying before, like the, the research kind of seems conflicted, right? It doesn't seem like it's bad, but we don't know if it's good. So it's kind of like, oh, should we just take it anyways? Because 
if it's beneficial, then let's see what the negatives are. And the problem is, is there are actually a lot of negatives associated with um, placentophagy. And so, first of all, obviously, um, kind of across the board, pregnant women should not be taking this um, because it can increase the risk of miscarriage. Really? But yeah. And so usually we're taking it postpartum. So usually we're not worried about that. But just in case, like people thought, oh, I'm going to increase my nutrients or my nutrition during Mm -hmm. pregnancy, maybe I'll take it during pregnancy. That's not a good idea. Um, That's the first thing. Mm -hmm. The second thing is a key concern with um, eating your placenta relates to infectious diseases. And so the temperatures, like we saw in that video, the woman preparing the placenta, um, the temperatures used to prepare the placenta are usually too low to eliminate key infectious pathogens. Mm. And so I actually want to talk about a specific report. Um, so do you know what group B strep is? Um, not really. I've heard of it, but. Okay. So group B strep is something that is usually, so when women are later in pregnancy, group B strep is like a commensal bacteria. So it can be in your vaginal canal, just kind of hanging out, not really doing any harm. But the problem is, is it can cause serious fatal harms to babies. So when babies are exposed to it, when they pass through the canal and they're exposed to group B strep, that can actually be a really, really bad thing. So Mm -hmm. when women are pregnant, they swab you for group B strep. And if you are positive for group B strep during your labor and delivery, they'll put you on antibiotics. So they'll put you on like an IV antibiotics while you're doing labor and delivery Mm -hmm. to diminish the risk of baby being exposed to group B strep and diminish the risk of baby being severely hurt. Okay. So that's the basis of group B strep. So on that note, um, there was a case report in 2016 of an infant who developed group B strep sepsis. And the mom of this infant had consumed placenta pills. The group B strep was identified from the placenta pills. So I want to elaborate on this study a little bit because it seems like, okay, well, that could kind of be anything. You can get group B strep from other sources. How are we to know? Mm -hmm. So, okay. So in September 2016, this was in Oregon. And they were notified of a late onset group B strep infection in an infant. And this began five days after completion of treatment for they had early onset. And so mm-hmm. the infant was born an uncomplicated pregnancy. Mom had a uh, group B strep screening at 37 weeks. So that's that, that swab. And she was negative. Shortly after birth, the infant had developed signs of respiratory distress, was transferred to the neonatal intensive care unit. Um, where they obtained blood and CFF, so cerebro, uh, cerebrospinal fluid for culture, and they gave antibiotics for the sepsis. So they found the blood culture was a group B strep, yada, yada, yada. Infant was discharged and went home after the first treatment. And so five days later, the infant was taken to the emergency department because of irritability and a fever and all these sorts of things. They did a blood culture and they found group B strep again. They looked at the CSF and they found that, so the cerebral spinal fluid was sterile. So there was no bacteria in the spinal cord Mm -hmm. and the breast milk from the mom did not have any group B strep. And so they couldn't find a source of where it was. And so three days into the infant's admission to the hospital on like this second time, the treating physician was notified from the birth hospital that the mother had requested a release of the placenta at this time of delivery The mother confirmed she had registered with, we're going to call them company A, to pick Mm -hmm. up and encapsulate her placenta. 
Three days after the infant's birth, the mother had received the dehydrated encapsulated placenta and began ingesting them two capsules three times a day. Mm-hmm. So they basically gave a sample of the placenta, they cultured it, and they actually found group B strep in there. And so oh they couldn't take out um, transmission from like household, right? Like somebody could have given him group B, him or her group B strep, but they found it in the placenta. So they're saying that that's the source. Mm-hmm. And so what they're saying on the conclusions is that, so what basically expectant mothers are supposed to do is they register for this company's services before delivery, and they're supposed to report any pre-existing infections. So if they have HIV, if they have hepatitis, herpes, chlamydia, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, but the company doesn't ask about any complications or infections during pregnancy or postpartum infections. So it's just about like, do you have hepatitis? Do you have HIV basically? Yeah. And so according to this company's website, again, the placenta is prepared much like we saw in the video and they do 115 degrees Fahrenheit to 160 degrees Fahrenheit. So anywhere in there could be the temperature and then it's ground and it's placed in capsules and stored at room temperature. And so the problem here is no standards exist for the processing of the placenta. So again, this company is doing 115 to 160 who's, who knows what they actually do. And who knows what, what temperature other companies are doing as well, right? Mm-hmm. And so, for example, if we have, like, salmonella, we need to heat at 130 for 121 minutes. And so if we're at 115, we're not getting rid of salmonella. And mm-hmm. in this case, heating for sufficient time at a temperature adequate to decre- decrease group B strep may not have been reached. And yeah. so, again, it's, it's, it's kind of tricky, right? And so the CDC, so after that study and whatever else, the CDC is generally concerned about the infection. And they specifically note that temperatures used in placental encapsulation may be insufficient to eradicate key viruses such as HIV, hepatitis, or Zika. Temperatures of 158 degrees Fahrenheit are required for the inactivation of hepatitis A, while HIV inactivation requires heating to 133 to 144 degrees. So you can see like, this company's range was 115 to 160. Really, it needs to be more than that to kill to make sure we're killing off everything, right? Mm-hmm. And and also like just based on that video we watched, like seeing somebody doing it in their home, which no, you know, nothing against that. But if they're doing it in their home, they don't maybe have the equipment that's necessary to be keeping track of that, right? Because well, exactly, stove, like, do they have it? And I didn't personally see a thermometer at any point during that video. You know, no. Being, inserted into the placenta so I, I don't know how they would even I guess that's a good guesstimate as to what they think like boiling water would be steaming it at yeah but, uh, but it doesn't seem you know like it, it could be very precise in that case and it's also makes you question how how people are ingesting these things without you know standardization right yeah. like we don't buy food from somebody we don't know we don't buy you know drugs from somebody we don't know um, no, don't buy your drugs or something. <laughs> well, I mean, some people do, but um, <laughs> generally speaking, like when you buy a prescription pill, you assume that like it's got, it's gone through rigorous testing and same with any supplements realistically that you see in the grocery stores or yeah. anywhere you go, you buy a pill that you assume that somebody's taken the precaution to make sure that's healthy for you or you're not going to hurt you. Right. So it kind of makes you wonder as well, like that we're so open to consuming something that like we really have no formal like FDA standardization related to that you know yeah and it's like people people (laughs) argue people argue that like it's it's been 
in you. So like, it's fine to consume. But if we're going by that theory, like we don't eat our poo, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, like there's a reason why we expel that at the end of the pregnancy. Because I feel from like a biological standpoint, this is just my theory. This is not based on any sort of research, but from a biological standpoint and I mean, an evolution standpoint, if it was beneficial to retain the nutrients specifically from the placenta, would the body eject it? Like, would the body get rid of it or would the body keep it? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. You'd think it would dissolve or something like that. Yeah, like something along those lines, if that if that's what we needed in order to survive postpartum and all of these sorts of things, why would the body work so hard to expel it? And why would leaving placenta behind? infections and things like that right obviously it's something that must be expelled because it was only useful when the baby needed it yeah that's a really good point actually so yeah that it's really interesting in in that and the lack of standardization is a problem and again like you mentioned in the in that pot and even when she steamed it she didn't even say for how long did did she uh not to my knowledge i don't remember but maybe they were just putting a short video for information purposes yeah, however definitely. But, like, it was in her pot, and then she was like, yeah, and it steamed, and she, like, took off the lid, and there was still, like, blood actively on it. Like, if I was looking at that as, like, meat and wondering if it was cooked, mm-hmm. I would have determined that it was still raw based on what I saw. Mm. And, like, honestly, another thing that's important to note is, like, maybe this was only one video we were watching. Yes. So, like, yes. maybe people have different, like, setups at home and have way different ways, you know, of, of – producing the pills and this was just like one that we just so happened to stumble upon and that yeah. made it look a little bit um you know worse worse yeah. than it might be so that's important to note because obviously there's lots of people that are eating these pills and a lot of people who aren't from the sounds of it getting sick from it however yep. there isn't a lot of data to show the the health benefits so, absolutely yeah my opinion like overall and like you said it's not based on anything but my own thoughts is that if it's not hurting you and it's making some people feel better temporarily. And obviously if you don't have any infections like this woman did, then I don't see like why you like wouldn't, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need to just be cautious about the, about the source. And again, um, if somebody who's listening or, or know someone that has like a setup that's um, approved or standardized or anything else that I'm not seeing, feel free to reach out, send a message, send an email and let me know. Cause I would be so interested to actually see what a quote unquote real setup looks like. However, um, having that there's given that there's no standards, how can you be sure that there's standardization? Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, across the board, the video we watched are people who are act. It's not like in another country, they're actively doing this and selling it in the GTA. So we know that whatever the standards are here, they're allowed to do whatever they're doing. So even if that was the worst that we saw, it's allowed to be done. So exactly. People have a choice, but they also need to make an informed choice at the end of the day. Right. Absolutely. And so the other thing is um, the study published found um, modest. So we talked about magnesium and manganese and all these sort of trace elements that are in it. And they found um, only modest amounts of trace elements and they also found that placenta pills contain levels of cadmium lead and mercury in low but detectable amounts again like you said is it like a filter is there going to be heavy metals is there going to be things that we need to expel and not consume Mm. right and so this is understandable has a dual role like you said 
It's a barrier to protect the fetus and to eliminate waste material from the fetus. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's like, okay, well, are we just having consuming waste that was again, supposed to be waste. And so another, a 2018 study again, found no harm to newborns. So they basically reviewed roughly 23,000 birth records. The researchers found no increased risk in three areas. So there was no neonatal intensive care unit admissions in the first six of what, uh, six weeks of life, no neonatal hospitalizations in the first six weeks, and no neonatal infant death in the first six weeks. So that's what they were looking at with mom consuming the placenta. So they found that it wasn't impacting the um, babies mm-hmm. as much as it did for that one case report we went through. That's good. And that's, and that's, like I said, if it's, if it's not harming anybody and that's your choice to eat that, then go ahead. Um, as long, and if it makes you feel better, even if it's placebo, then like, what's the harm in it, right? Yeah. I'd rather just take sugar pills, but that's just me. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, there are a lot of things that we can do postpartum that don't like that can replete your nutrients and rebalance your hormones that don't have to be in this form. So there are a letter, a lot of other things that we can do. And I just want people to be aware of the, the current data that exists out there, which honestly isn't a ton, which is important to note. Mm-hmm. So, so make yeah. an decision next time you think about eating a placenta. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So weird question for you, the why, why do animals eat their placentas? Is yeah, and people people thought like <laughs> people thought that like okay, animals eat it, so like we have to eat it. Animals do a lot of things that we don't do, um, but <laughs> but it seems other animals used to eat their placenta to disguise the fact that a new baby was born. So it was mm-hmm. for like predator reasons to because if the placenta was there, then a predator would know there's a a weak baby yeah. nearby and and know that they that but they were able to find food right so humans again used to do this but like I said they don't know why and they stopped so we don't know why they did it initially we don't know why they stopped and we don't know what kind of sparked us redoing that Mm. probably a lot to do with the media like you said and celebrities are doing it and absolutely seeing it everywhere so it's definitely more of a topic yeah so like if I ate, a, ate my own placenta and it worked for me, what would you say about that? Again, it's like, it could be a placebo effect. Maybe we need more research. Um, again, when we look at the area of people who eat their placenta or opting for that, it's not representative of women in general. So it's hard to look at a full population base because number one, it's not covered by insurance. It's not recommended by most physicians. So it means that women who want to do it have looked into it themselves, possibly by unconventional means. They might have heard it from a friend. Maybe someone else recommended it. I don't know. But they're looking into it outside of the quote unquote medical system, right? Whether that's good or bad, it doesn't really matter. But they're Mm -hmm. not representative of the whole population. Mm -hmm. And they're also paying out of pocket. So again, like I mentioned, it could be $400, and so a lot of women don't really have that to shell out for placenta pills, really. So yeah. that depends. And then are some women buying them online that are just animal for 10 bucks? And that's, are those working? That's really scary. I'm sorry. Right? So, so who knows? And a lot of times, like the women, so basically what I'm saying is if it was recommended across the board and everybody was given it and there was no like, oh, I want this or I don't, it was just the recommendation. We would actually see 
who's feeling better and who's not without bias, right? Mm -hmm. Because not everybody thinks it's going to work. Everybody's just taking it because that's a recommendation. But we know that because you have to seek it out and you have to pay a lot for it and you have to do your own quote unquote digging and research, people who get it done are convinced it'll work. So that can be a placebo effect. And like you said, there's nothing wrong with a placebo effect, but there can be something wrong if, if the off chance happens where there's infections or it's not prepared properly, or there's maybe mercury or lead, but we don't know because again, there's no standardization. So it's hard to say whether it's worth it. And so the conclusion, um, they did a comprehensive review in the American journal of obstetrics and gynecology basically concluded that there's no scientific evidence of any clinical benefit of placentophagy and there is evidence of an actual risk. Based on this, healthcare providers have no professional responsibility to offer this and there is professional responsibility to actually direct against it. So that's the conclusion from a a very well-known journal. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what are your thoughts? So I will not be consuming my placenta as of right now. And I'm yeah. not, not to say that I never will, but I mean, if the evidence shows that it's, it's beneficial, then I'll definitely consider it. But for right now, I don't think there's any point. How about you? Yeah, I think the same. I think that um, there's no compelling reason why I should. Yeah. And there's, there's a compelling reason why I wouldn't, a few compelling reasons why I wouldn't Definitely. in terms of just, I, I don't like taking anything that I don't know, like its source and its quality and its safety because I would be going against my own advice if I were to take this, but I won't take a supplement that's not tested and quality approved and all of those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So I have a lot of clients or friends who have, who have done this before. No, I literally don't know anyone. And I don't know if that's because they haven't told me or it hasn't come up, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know anyone who has done this. Do you? Um, no, not that I can think of. But it's, maybe, um, maybe we'll know now. Maybe they'll reach out yeah. to us. Definitely. Yeah. So thanks, Dr. Laura. Thank you for all that information and giving us some, you know, opportunity to make a more informed decision. And I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. And like I said, if you guys have any more information or want to ask questions or let us know of any sort of personal anecdotes, you can always send an email to Laura at laurapiper.com. And thank you for listening to this episode. Bye. Bye.